podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Danny, and this is Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance. Thanks to Anfield Index Pro, dear the wit and wisdom of Liverpool and Denmark legend Jan Malby. As we speak about all things Liverpool Football Club, and there's quite a few to speak about yet again, so let's do it all over one more time. Good afternoon, Jan. Yes, good afternoon, Trevor. What a week, eh? What a week, my friend. It just keeps getting better and better. And um, uh, we're, we're reveling in all the news and in all the great results and the perpetuation of this ridiculous dream that we all have. Uh, it's hard to know where to start. Um, but I know for a fact that you've had a, a busy week. I saw um, photographic evidence of uh, you on duty in various places. Uh, you've had a, you've probably done quite a few of the, of the most recent games. So, um, with all of that, I assume you're still getting a chance to keep up on, uh, the big news that is dropping. And, uh, where else would we start, Jan, except with the, the, the really, really heartening, uh, information that Jurgen is going to stay for an extra couple of years till 2026, which, I don't know what, what what your takeaway is, but the big one for me is it gives us this continuity when we're at a place of strength that we have this sort of, we can look forward. I don't know. I was always sort of on one eye on 2024 thinking, shit, I mean, what happens then? Uh, so it, to me, this is massive. And I, I, I wasn't as confident as some of the people were. I thought Jurgen might just have enough. But I'm really, really, really happy that he hasn't and that he's happy to keep going. And apparently his missus told him he was staying. That's all there is to it. We know what that's like, Jan. So what's your big takeaway from the, the, the big news of the week and big news of the year, if we're being honest? Well, I think surprised again. Uh, you know, I, I, I spoke to, this was 2018 when I, when I spoke to Jürgen about his contract and staying. And, you know, he was always saying that I've made a promise. I made a promise to my wife uh, that we will go home. You know, Germany's a massive big pull for them. And, you know, once he said that, I thought, well, you know, he's kind of promised that they're going to go home. He's extended. Now he's extended again, uh, which is, of course, incredible. And why it's so incredible, Trevor, is that when we previously had success between 1965 and 1990, I don't think anyone was convinced that it was all down to whoever the manager was. I think people were much more convinced that he was down to the club and, you know, we can, we can overcome the loss of Bill Shankly or Bob Paisley or, uh, Joe Fagan. It, it will continue. We don't quite have the same feeling. You know, I think we're there's no doubt that the club is very well run, but I think we think that a lot of this is down to Jurgen. And that's why I think it's so important uh, for him to stay. 
on Wednesday after the Villarreal game. And normally after games, I have a tendency just to slow off. But on Wednesday, I went back inside. And obviously, the, the broadcasters are out doing uh, the interviews on the touchline. And all the written media are in the press room waiting for Jürgen to come in. So there wasn't many people in the press room. So I walked in and one of the guys that I know really well from, from Liverpool Football Club, but I don't see much of him anymore. He's one of the suit boys. He's quite high up, knows a lot of stuff. So I, he came over to me. I never approached these guys, but he came over to me and he, and he was obviously happy with the result and whatever. And then I said to him, do you think he'll sign? So he went, it's more or less done. So I went, really? He said, yeah. He said, he'd said a couple of things in the media of late. It's all to do with whether he had the energy. And then I realized he was talking about Jurgen Klopp. Well, I was talking about Mo Salah because I didn't think, <laughs> there, I didn't think there was anything about Jurgen Klopp just about to sign a new contract. You know what I mean? So we're talking about two separate issues. And I never said anything. I just walked out. But I never thought the news was as imminent as it was. You know, and there I yeah. was Thursday morning having my coffee and the news breaks. And my wife goes, Klopp signed a new contract. I went, I said, I kind of know. <laughs> I was told last night, but I didn't really, you know, thought that, okay, we're going to start negotiations maybe in a couple of weeks at the end of the season or whatever, isn't it? But th- there we are, isn't it? Yeah, so it's quite incredible. So, uh, whereas I was looking for information on, on Mo Salah, uh, I, got, I got the news on Jurgen Klopp, but I also feel that the story from within that they, they, they feel that the Mo Salah thing is going to get done because Liverpool are struggling to find the market for Mo. Where does Mo and his agent go? Uh, so I think there'll be a little bit of a song and dance about it, but but I think eventually. And I also think that the fact that Klopp has signed this contract, surely he's had some assurances, hasn't he? Is, is he going to sign if he thinks that Mo won't sign or Sadio will go and there's no new contract for Bobby? And No, I think he's had some assurances, hasn't he? Surely. And it's always a good part, to, a good place to start, isn't it? Well, let's start with Jürgen, isn't it? And then everybody else else falls back in in lines below emissions. So I think there's more than good news to come. That's a really, really interesting take. Uh, and that's kind of where I was going to drive the bus first to get any potential negativity out of the way around the story because I don't know whether it's a holdover from the days where you were just expecting the worst all the time and you kind of go halfway to meet it so you're not surprised. Um, it's a very pessimistic way of viewing the world, but like for years as Liverpool fans, we've kind of almost come to accept that. Um, so I found myself wondering, um, was this, like we've seen happen before, a sort of a good news PR story that was being put out so that everybody would be happy and maybe we wouldn't be quite as upset when Mo doesn't sign, if you see where I'm going with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I did worry about that, but I, I, think yeah. what you, I think what you're saying makes sense. And the, 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 the thing about it is, um, <sighs> wherever... It's, I mean, we've seen, we're going to be talking a lot about Mo Salah later on because he's picked up another um, uh, award for his uh, cabinet. Wh- whoever or whatever club could possibly be in for him, I mean, the amount of money that's going to have to be paid would be so much as to, I don't know, I think it might be, we might be even scarier with it, with a war chest that size and able to go and use our recruitment to get another couple of um, world beaters. So, I mean, we should really all just be relaxing and enjoying. And, and, and I guess what I wanted to ask you was, you know, thinking about in the context of your own career, 
was their manager? Are their managers on the same level? Have there been managers on the same level? I know there have, but I'm just maybe you might throw a few names out. Um, where basically you're signing for them. You know that they're the, for years we had lads, um, uh, being tapped up by Stevie Gerrard and uh, lads were wanting to st- sign for Liverpool to play with Gerrard. He was the pull. He was the attraction. But in a way then, Things have changed so much now because Jurgen Klopp is the main man. Jurgen Klopp is the guy that people want to play for, and he's the guy that will attract these top players to the club before anything else or anybody else. The concept of playing with all our superstars—it's Jurgen first, I think. Now I could be wrong. I'm wondering, like, are there not too many managers in that category? Obviously, his uh, his his pal across in, in Manchester, but it starts to taper off. Mourinho used to be in that category, obviously Ferguson too, but it's a, it's quite an unusual thing that the manager would be the, the the person that people would be jumping through hoops to get uh, their agent to to to, to line them up. Um, in my opinion, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Have I got that wrong? Yeah, is, or has no. it always been that way? No, no, you definitely got that spot on. I'm not sure when it happened, but maybe it had something to do with players getting themselves agents and financial advisors and 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 and, 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 and a whole staffing. Of where they go, well, okay. If if you had a club and you want to move somewhere else, and then you sit down and go, well, all right, let's look at all the positives, all the negatives, you know. And obviously, the manager, stroke coach, will be a big part of that because depending on where you are in your career, you might need a coach manager that can coach you. You might need a manager who's going to look after you, blah blah, whatever. So I think it's a relatively new thing uh, that the manager is almost a product that you can sell to a new player. You can go, yeah, well, okay, you're aware of the history of Liverpool football, but you can Google everything you want. You can see all the YouTube of them singing You Never Walk Alone. But on top of that, we've obviously got the, the, the best manager in the world, and this is what he does, and this is what he can do to you, isn't it? So it's a massive selling point, isn't it? So, you know, I just, yeah, I know you were saying before, this this is good news about Jürgen, and then the bad news comes up. I just can't see it. You can picture how this worked, can't you, Trevor? I mean, we're led to believe that, that Klopp instigated this talk, and you can imagine walking in and going, Okay, boys, shall we get this done? I fancy staying. I'm full of energy. I can't walk out on this group of players. And that was the one thing I thought. How the fuck do you walk out on a group of players like that? And I think that's yeah. where Jürgen's looked and gone, I can't walk out on this. But he said to the club, a couple of things we need to get right. The players and the big boys, they need new contracts. You sort that out. I need a transfer uh, from Warchest. And one more thing. What happened when we had all the injuries must never happen again. We must never leave ourselves so short. And when I want somebody, like I did in January of that season, you fucking act quicker than what you did then. And I think that's kind of what he said to the mission. We do all that, then the money is not the important bit. He said, but I want to be able to maintain the level we're at now. And to do that, these are the requirements. I think it's something like that the conversation would have gone. And they would have gone, fucking hell, we can keep Jürgen. Wow. You know, because... The other things you'll have to look at anyway, new contract for the big boys and, you know, a transfer budget or whatever. So it, this, this is an unbelievable bonus. But you have to say, Trevor, wherever you think of the American owners, we do do things really well. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I hope there's, a, there's, a, there's obviously a frustration because, you know, I'll, I'll put my hands up and say that I, I want I want all the nice things and I want all the best players and I want everything to go well for us and that's an irrational fan approach that we all have. I can be sensible and think about it rationally as well. 
but you know that's the impulse you have and sometimes it's, there was that frustration around the things that you were just talking about there with fsg but yeah the, the place is it's just it's just running like so smoothly and uh, there's a couple of things i, w- I want to look at here and just by the by i believe jürgen has taken no uh increase in his in his uh, remuneration whereas i think the uh, various coaching staff have gone up quite considerably over that period um, and they've signed as well obviously the two lads um pep and pete are very much in in uh in in situ now as well alongside jürgen but this is where i want to go next with this the the exciting thing about that jan is that we're looking at seeing a new evolution of a new team under this manager and that's freaking exciting that really is exciting because now we're going to get to see this lad who we know is the best in the business who just suits the club so down to the ground doing um his thing and introducing by the time you know that contract is up it's going to be a whole new team and it'll be have been brought in under on his watch with his coaches who've worked such wonders since they came and you think about the team that 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 he guided to two finals in his in his first partial season you think about how it's changed since then i mean there's only jordan henderson knocking around who's at the club you know um it's remarkable it really is remarkable, and that's exciting for me. And to think, what's he gonna do now with this extra time? What, yeah. How's he, how's he gonna make us even better? Because there's a lot of talk about, you know, this is only the start, and I have to say, I like that. Uh, I, I don't know how he's gonna make us better. Uh, I, I, I almost struggle to think how he's gonna keep us at the level, because the level we're at now is unbelievable, isn't it? But he must feel confident, you know. And there's other things, isn't he? You know, he must have had some reassurance about the academy and the academy can produce uh, some players as well and I don't think this was ever about Jürgen saying to his wife do you know what if we stay for another couple of years I can maybe get another 40 grand a week out of Liverpool I don't think that was ever about that you know the, the man's got more money than he could ever wish to spend isn't it this is about something else isn't it you know and I think he's he's been around long enough and thinking I've done a good job here but I don't quite match up yet you know, there's, 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 there's managers in the history of Liverpool Football Club. I don't quite match up to them yet. I would like to give that a little bit of a go, you know, and, uh, yeah. Why, why, why hand over this baton to somebody else in 2024, regardless of who that is? Why, why, why would you do that? You know, and that in the end is why he's chosen that I'm not prepared to let go of this team, you know, and I'm not prepared to let go of, of, of everything that we build, isn't it? But because let's not kid ourselves. You know, it's, it's gone relatively smooth, hasn't it? But, but they put in some hours to get to where we are today with everything, you know, right from the top down to the academy, coaching staff, medical staff, wherever it is, isn't it? You know, that's, that's took some effort. That's took some effort. And convincing everybody, you know, come here and uh, you'll be part of something, you know, that's very, very special, isn't it? So, yeah, he wasn't prepared to give up on that just yet. And, you know, to see someone like Pep Linders, who, who we know has managerial um, uh, ambitions himself, uh, he's already had a crack at it. The, you know, it's to see him committing as well is is fantastic. There's a, a little video of uh, of him chatting about coaching, the enthusiasm he had um, in this um, thing I watched on YouTube. It's, it's off the scale, and and, and also the insight. Um, so, and I, I, Pete Kravitz is a sort of notoriously quiet man. He doesn't do interviews, that kind of stuff, really. So it's hard to know what he is to Jürgen, except we know he's important to him. Um, so to see 
those two guys lining up alongside it's fantastic and, and again here's kind of where i'm going with this with a man who has managerial ambitions like uh like like uh pep Linders does it probably seemed a little bit fanciful to some people that uh, he might be able to take over at the end of Klopp's 2024 contract. But perhaps now we could have a new evolution of that sort of boot room thing. I know you don't have to go back to the old ways, but I think it would be. It, it's it, it's it's potential now, whereas before it was possibly a little bit pie in the sky because Liverpool are such a huge club. They would almost demand that they go out if it, when Jurgen goes and gets you know whoever the, the 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 next big thing is. But you know it's now possible I think with this extra period of time that this guy is such a part of the fabric that he might he might be the obvious choice. Do, do you know what I'm going with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know I don't think necessarily just because you go back to sort of a promotion from within that you you, you kind of say well we're going back to the way it used to be. I think the club would do that if they felt that was the right option. And, and and we do know, Trevor, you know, you, you don't even have to live and breathe Liverpool Football Club for 24 hours to know that uh, being part of your organisation, i.e. having inside knowledge, means an awful lot, you know what I mean? Which obviously puts Pep Linders right at the forefront when one day Jürgen doesn't want to be here anymore. But yeah, it's it all just very, very exciting. The only thing I slightly worry about is if John Acterberg, the goalkeeper coach, gets another contract. Because I'm not sure his knee will stand up to another four years, you know what I mean, poor man, but... Uh, Apart from that, I've told you. Have you ever seen him run, Trevor? I have. Well, I've seen him hobble, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I go, John, how's the knee? He goes, yeah, it's a little bit sore. I said, it looks sore. He said, I just go for two 5K runs a week. I said, does it hurt? He said, like hell. He said, but I can handle pain. What's a fucking man for? <laughs> what a man. I, do you know what? He's one of the great, great news stories as well because he was really, really. I thought badly maligned um, under under the previous manager and the one before whatever it was that 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 run about you know people talking about how goalkeepers had tailed off or their form wasn't good under him as a coach and then I'm so happy for him to get to work with with someone of the of the the class of Allison now and to hear Allison saying such complimentary things about him it's a nice sort of a, it's a nice part of the story you'd have to say and. I don't know if you noticed, um, but there was obviously quite a lot of reaction, um, you know, from well-known types like Gary Lineker um, talking very effusively about how it's fantastic news for for Liverpool and for English football. And he talked about how he'd love to have played for Klopp, um, you know, and and I thought that was that was interesting and kind of you know considering it's only a couple of weeks since the. Uh, since the Everton game, he sort of uh, he managed to be quite um, magnanimous about it. And then, of course, our man uh, across the way in the blue part of Manchester, he just can't help himself. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know why he has to be as pissy as he is. But pissy is the word. You know, you get to a certain extent with him. He tried a couple of times to bat the questions away, but then. He can't help himself. And he was asked about, you know, what do you think? Uh, it was. This is just a segue into the Mo Salah thing, which we're, we're going next. Uh, what do you think about um, Jürgen, the news about Jürgen? What do you think about Mo Salah getting the award? And he said, yeah, yeah, great. Liverpool, Jürgen's great for the, for, for the Premier League. Great, congratulations. But the Salah thing was a, a bridge too far for him because the guy kept saying, well, do you think maybe Kevin De Bruyne would be a little bit um, peeved that he didn't? Well, to say Pep was sarcastic in the way he went on, he said, oh, well, Jürgen says they've got 
the best setter half, the best striker, the, the best holding midfielder. So, of course, they're going to win all the awards. Makes sense. And you know that kind of sarcastic little pissy tone that he adopts all the time now in interviews? I, I don't know why he feels the need to do that, Jan. I mean, talk about being in a position of just unassailable sort of um, importance and, and status in the game. Why does he ha- Why does he always go to that? It's, it's like he throws his toys out of the pram at the first opportunity. It's so disappointing. There's, it, it, I really, I, yeah, I used to have a lot of time for the guy, but it's clearly he's very good at what he does. But that's just a very disappointing trait in him, isn't it? Uh, obviously, it's, it's, it's very clearly it's part of his his, um, his personality. You know, I believe he was he was like that on Tuesday night after the Champions League game as well with. With uh, with with the Spanish media, uh, so he, he he's got kind of, you know, unless or he's not one of them. I think he, you know, not necessarily craves the attention or the awards. But the moment he doesn't get it, I think that's when he gets a little bit arsy about it, isn't it? I agree that over the last six weeks, Kevin De Bruyne has been the best player in the Premier League. But over the season, it's impossible to get away from Mo Salah, and and that's the way it should be, isn't it? You know, it's these things are not voted on on. on Current form, it's voted over the season, so I think they come to the to the right conclusion without any shadow of a doubt. But yeah, it is it is it is disappointing. But this news about Jurgen Klopp staying it is obviously right now it is the only club that affects Manchester City, isn't it? Because I think they would have been quite happy to see the back of Jurgen, but now they know the battle goes on, isn't it? Funny enough, Thursday night I was at Old Trafford, Man United, Chelsea, and and uh, uh, one of the former Manchester United players came up to me and with tears in his eyes. You know, no, no, no. <laughs> he, said, he said, that's worse. He said, that's worse than Peter's 5 nil here. He said, this is fucking worse. It's the worst news you've had all season. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, it's great to see them squirm. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I have to, uh, this, the, the, the football writers, uh, award went to Mo Salah, as we've alluded to there. Um, and I think, you, what you said is so right. How can you not give the award to the person who's got the most, the most assists, the most chances created, the most um, important goals, uh, the most uh, open play XG stuff going on, the most through balls apparently as well. I'm, I'm quoting here from Simon Brundish from Anfield Index. Most carries into the box, most touches in the box. I mean, the, guy, the guy's a phenomenon. And... You know, it puts him on the level now, I think, unless I'm, maybe I'm getting this wrong, but of previous Liverpool players, I think Kenny won it twice, that particular award, um, 79 and I think 83. And that's a second one now for Mo. I know Barnes, he got it as well, but I think that was just one for him. So I think he's, it's only him and Kenny that have won it twice. And that in and of itself kind of says quite a lot. I mean, he should be walking away with the award. And yeah, you're right. The last couple of weeks, man. Maybe, maybe skew it a bit, especially with the emergence of De Bruyne in, and in such ridiculous form. But it's not really, it's not really a debate over the course of the season. No, and I, and I, and I think the stats that you, you, you mentioned there before, Trevor, they, they just back up just in case you need it. But I think what you see with your own eyes in this instant probably is enough, isn't it? Because for three or four months, he did unbelievable things that I, I, I struggled to believe. And I said at the time, I'm not sure he can keep this up. And he, he hasn't been able to, but nevertheless. Interesting to see that there's only two Liverpool players who's won that award twice. And that does surprise me a little bit because the, uh, 
the sports writers are, are never a million miles away, are they? You know, I mean, they they, they look at it different uh, than the PFA. I mean, I remember when I was a manager in the lower leagues and. You know, I had Manchester United players playing for me and they wouldn't vote for Liverpool players. They wouldn't put Liverpool players in the team of the year and all things like that. You don't quite have that in the media. Of course, the media supports certain clubs in there, but I think when when they vote for these things, I think they're more concerned about their credibility, aren't they? So I think the sports writer is always a good sort of guideline of, yeah, and I think they've got it just about right again. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I, 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 I'd agree completely. I think it's uh, I think it's a no-brainer over the course of the season and I hope... Uh, he'll be underlining that choice with several other major contributions between now and the end of the season. And to get back to our more regular format, we should have a look at um, the most recent um, outing for the Reds, which was that first leg um, Anfield win over Villarreal. And you and I spoke about it in the uh, lead up to it. And we were rightly cautious and, and wary of Unai Emery and his um, ability to coach in Europe and over two legs and all the rest of it. And the dearest hope I had, Jan, was that this was going to be a game, the complete opposite of the 4-3 uh, Real City match, a game with fucking zero drama, a game with uh, almost boring progression for us. And to be fair to the lads, they pretty much delivered that. I mean, we, they played, we played some lovely football. It was great to watch. We were so dominant. I mean, for two games in a row now, the dominance has been off the scale against Everton. It was, I think it was literally record breaking, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, and again, against Villarreal. And, you know, I've heard people disparage them, you know, talk about the, that, the, the, that, that fella, Jason Cundy, right? Uh, on, on talk sport, uh, talking about how they were pathetic and a disgrace and, you know, we're really in trouble if that's the best that we can offer. And I'm, I'm just thinking, Jason, have a look at their progress to the semi-final stage and have a word with yourself. Obviously, an awful lot of these lads who do uh, a similar thing to what you do, they do it with zero uh, um, integrity and they do it to just... Like maybe attract attention or drive because otherwise I can't understand that kind of nonsense let's just take that on on face value first Villarreal this tie is still alive by the way too no it is uh, Villarreal have lots about them but they weren't allowed to play we smothered them yeah. they were absolutely choked and choked off any ability to um, get into any sort of rhythm whatsoever, and that's the story. Not Villarreal being awful. I, I I think it's something that's often overlooked, isn't it? What you allow the opposition to do. I firmly believe that Villarreal could have come to Anfield and played the best they played all season and still lost. Now I'm not convinced, as it happened, that they played the best they played all season, but I still thought with what they had, I still thought they did okay. We spoke about Unai Emery and his tactical ability, and I thought he got the tactics spot on. The way that he wanted to play, he carried it out quite well in the first half. He he was well aware that he wasn't massively going to be able to to uh, hurt Liverpool. You know, his four midfield players across were all four centre midfield players. So he wanted to flood that area, blah blah, whatever. But I still thought they did okay. Uh, but in the end, we knew we had better players. It was just a case of showing. It was very much like the Everton game, isn't it? Both teams came with a very clear plan, and it was a question of when do we break them. It took a little bit longer than we would have liked. In both games, but in the end, you come away, you know, having witnessed a golfing class. That's just the way it is. But I do agree with you. Um, it's it's it is only two nil, isn't it? 
You know what I mean? And it's almost like you think, are we due an off night? Are we due one of those games where things just goes against you? I don't know. You know what I mean? So for all those reasons, yeah, it's still very much on. Plus, you know, Gerard Moreno will probably be back for the second leg. That will give them a lift. They'll be at home. You know, still we should win, isn't it? But as I said before, you know, anything is possible, isn't it? But yeah, I always find it difficult, Trevor. I don't find it difficult or disappointing when you have these mainly radio presenters who are non-footballers. When, but when non-footballers, you know, start to try and wind up uh, the people that listen or get people to ring in, I, I'm always disappointed with that because you kind of lose your credibility. Well, let's just say that's a national sport amongst ex-pros. Um, and it's a huge part of the reason why um, I enjoy doing this show so much. Not not to be blowing smoke up your arse, but you just talk about the game in an honest way. Uh, there's no bullshit, no agendas, no drive to controversy. Uh, and maybe they're maybe they're asked to do that. Maybe it's part of their shtick. But when I heard your man Cundy going on, and, and honestly, honestly, quite a lot of the fellas that you hear on Sky as well on a regular basis. There's just no real insight at all. It's all cliches and, and, and nonsense. Um, so, you know, <laughs> let them at it. But it is disappointing, I have to say. I agree with you. For people who've actually played the game to be so lacking in, in, in any kind of understanding of it is very strange. Um, <laughs> to just address the idea of the tie not being over, we, 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 we would say, obviously, it was... Uh, a tremendous um, achievement to just get that 2-0. It is a very good lead. We can't be crying about that. It's, it's a tremendous lead to be taken uh, to there. It would it, it would seem, at least in the face of it, barring one of those things that you said, like, are we due an off night? It would seem that, it, you know, with our ability to score goals, that even if they are to get a couple, hopefully we'd be able to match it at least and, and still go through. Um, but I... Don't doubt for a second, Jan, that it's going to be a completely different uh, set of circumstances in that second leg. And again, the reason I'm saying that is because I did pick up an awful lot of um, complacency in the attitude of Liverpool fans who think it's done and dusted. And, you know, we saw a little bit. Their, 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 their travelling fans were fantastic. And I think accredited themselves as well from what I could see and uh, the way they behaved around the city, some of the banners they were carrying respect in the 97, things like that. And they're a loud lot and they'll be passionate. And when their stadium is full, that'll be quite a thing. Um, obviously, we'll have our own traveling fans, too, who are always brilliant. But it will be a different setup. And I wonder, is there just in a, in a, in a, from a, t- a tactical point of view, he went with the captain um, in the home leg uh, in midfield and he went with Ibu Kanate, um alongside um, Van Dijk. And the front three now seem to be the front three. Uh, it seems to be that's who he's going to go with if he can. Um, do you see any changes for the second leg? I, I, in other words, <laughs> he's not going to make take any risks. There's not going to be like wholesale changes or resting anybody. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a, a strong lineup, obviously. It's a fucking Champions League semi-final second leg. But do you see anything that he might do or tweak that was standing out to you based on that first leg? Not not necessarily. I mean, I, I think we've almost, you know, although we've got great depth, uh, we're almost at the level, isn't it, that we're picking from three centre-halves, one who plays every week, and then there's Adam Atiba Konati in midfield. We're more or less picking from four, aren't we? So it's Cato Henderson. And the same up front. 
it's either Schotter or uh, uh, Luis Diaz, and that will definitely change next year because Luis Diaz next year will be part of the furniture play every single week. And that seems to be it, really. So we'll get a good idea when we play Newcastle Saturday, the 12.30 kick-off, what we're going to do Tuesday. But I don't think... I think what Klopp said to the players at half-time, he kind of... I think he said to the players is that don't allow Villarreal to take the way we want to play. Because I, I sense a little bit of that in the first half. We struggled with, with, with the long diagonals in behind their fullbacks and whatever. And I think Klopp has said, listen, we, we must play the way that we want to play. So let, let, let not them affect the way that we want to play. So I don't think tactically there's anything we need to do. You know exactly how they play 4-4-2. Uh, they, they fill the pits uh, well. They do want to have possession. It's not a case of them coming and parking the yellow U-boat. That's not what they wanted to do. But Liverpool were just too good for them on the day. So I took tactically, I don't think... They're not going to be able to surprise us. That's for sure. So I wouldn't expect a great deal of differences. But probably my tip uh, over Newcastle and, and Konati again uh, in, in, in Spain. What he does with Keita or Henderson, I'm not too sure. But uh, it doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, you know, Keita plays. He gives you something different than Henderson. Konati... You know, I like his presence with set pieces and whatever else. And, you know, he's, he's a hell of a player. He's the thing that Bayern Munich took the other one over Meccano. You know, I think yet again, our scouting boys got a spot on. <laughs> I think you're right there. And you know what? <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's the thing about it. We have this wonderful squad. And for once, uh, we have a degree of fitness, um, touch wood. Uh, hopefully that will last till the end of the season. And it's a, it's a beautiful situation to be in. Um, we'll just come back to that briefly at the end to get your take on what the, what the, where you think that, that game will go. But we should spend the last few minutes of the show as ever just looking ahead to the most recent or the, the most, um, immediate fixture, which is, as you said, the half 12 on Saturday. Now we're recording this on Friday afternoon. I've got the, uh, official club website open here on the fixtures page and apparently there are 20 hours and 23 minutes to kick off so it's a quick turnaround to say the least and then we go again on Tuesday um so there, there's literally no uh no let up in these massive massive games and it feels a bit weird to be saying that a game towards the end of the season against Newcastle is a massive, massive game, but it is because we could briefly go back to the top for a couple hours again, like we did before. Um, and obviously, if we want to have any uh, chance of winning this league, we can't be the ones that slip up, and we're actually needing the others to do it. Which is, you know, let's be honest, is a bit of a shit position to be in. Um, it is a bit. It, that's the, the only disappointing thing about it is that it's out of our hands. So this game needs to be approached in a very, very uh, serious fashion and of course it will be I don't see um, too many um, massive changes for this game either um, but it, w- it would be interesting you don't know you don't know what he's going to do because he does have all everyone available to him but just to look at Newcastle a little bit first now we can you know there's there's uh, conversations can be had about the nature of the owners and the money and ethics and all the rest of it. That's not a conversation that we're going to have now. We now we just need to realize that the truth is um, that club is in the process of changing dramatically. Uh, and it would appear to a certain extent that um, the fellow they've got in at the moment has a decent sort of a, a, an atmosphere built. They 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 went out against um, Norwich City 
uh, on Saturday and uh, put three past them at Norwich's place. They had a 1-0 win over Crystal Palace, so that's back-to-back wins. Then, going back to the previous game, they beat Leicester 2-1. And if you look at the table, they're now ahead of Leicester, which, I mean, at the start of the season, I don't think anyone would have said that that was a possibility. Um, I think Leicester have game, games in hand over them, but they're sitting, they're kind of nestling in there, and they'll be in the top 10 quite comfortably, it looks like, um, if they manage a, a similar set of results uh, between now and the end of the season. And that's the thing. The games that they have left, I'm not sure. They have uh, ourselves, obviously. They have uh, City, obviously. Uh, they have Arsenal and they have Burnley. Um, and, you know, everybody there has something that they're fighting for. So it's not necessarily going to be an easy run in for Newcastle. Um, what do you make of the situation there? I mean, would it be fair to say that Eddie Howe is like, you know, just the most obvious placeholder in history that like basically he doesn't stand a chance. If they are going to implement the big plan, he's probably a, a goner in the summer. Or do you think, given that he's gotten a few results of late, they stick with him? Because I can't say that, Jan. Uh, I think he might survive the summer. Uh, you do? Yeah, I do, yeah. But, but there's absolutely n- n- no doubt that do they wish to fulfil their ambitions then I can't see the manager being a massive part of it. And I can't see most of the players being a massive part of it. But in general, when they spend the money, they, they, they bought sensibly. Uh, they didn't go out and throw the big money after players. They bought, as I said before, sensible players like Dan Byrne and Chris Wood from Burnley and the boy that they, they, they took from Leon, uh, Bruno Guimaraes, who's done really well for them. Uh, there's two teams at Newcastle. There's a home team and an away team. They haven't done particularly well away from home, but they've done really well at home. Uh, there's a great atmosphere at the club. Uh, the, the fans like what they're seeing. The fans are sensing that this is the start of something really big. And so you've got to be, be aware of all that, that feel-good fact. And although they've got nothing to play for, I still think that, as I said before, I think everybody's kind of playing for their future. And I think everybody's enjoying it so much that they want to be part of the future. So I think it's going to be a really, really difficult game. They're going to be full of energy. They've got players who can hurt you. They've got players in good form. And the fact that they're at home, they just feel at the moment, I think they feel at the moment that at home, St. James's Park, 52,000, were almost unbeatable. But of course, you know, now it's one of the best teams in Europe will roll into town. It's going to be a difficult game for them as well. As, but it is a game that I'm very aware of. When you look at um, the squad that they've got, the most recent lineup against Norwich, where they actually did win away, um, they've got Dubravka, they had Byrne and Lascelles, uh, centre half, Shar was on the bench. Craft and Target at fullback. Then in the middle, they've got Willock and Longstaff, who I could be wrong, but I think they've come up through the system there. And Guimaraes, as you mentioned, um, in, in the center. Uh, and Murphy, uh, Sam Maxima and Joe Linton up top. And I'm looking down their bench there. You see sort of, um, Premier League, uh, uh, sort of established fellas like Matt Ritchie there. John Joe Shelby's on the bench there in the last game as well. Um, they have Javier Manquillo, who used to be a red. Chris Wood, you mentioned. Miguel Almiron and uh, the likes of Carl Darlow and Dwight Gale. And, you know, they are good players, but they're not the sort of top end and you can only imagine that that's slowly, and I don't know, or maybe quickly, what they're going to want to be taken in there. I'm, I'm, I'm just casting my mind back to the Manchester City um, overall restructure 
change that happened. Um, and it was slow for them to get to a certain stage in terms of success, but it wasn't slow for them to start um, importing players at a rate of knots. I wonder, like, can many of them survive? Because we know now Newcastle are saving. There was a time when we weren't sure that was going to be the case. So they are safe. You're looking at that. I mean, there are probably not a huge amount of those lads who, are, who aren't looking over their shoulder, let's put it that way. No, I mean, you mentioned the fact that they've gone above Leicester in the table. But I think if you compare the two squads, you look at some of the Leicester players and you go, we've got some really, yeah. really good players, isn't it? You yeah. know what I mean? Whereas you look at Newcastle and you go, yeah, well, you know, there isn't a lot there, is it? You know, so for them to be able to fulfil, which step one is to get into Europe, whether that's a conference or Europa League, and I think they need better players, isn't it? So, but, but as I said before, you know, it's, they're all Premier League footballers, and they're Premier League footballers for the reason. That's because they got ability. And what they got now is when they play at home, they're filled with confidence and they get that support. You know, you get that feeling that the fans, I believe that St. James's Park, when things are not going well, can be a pretty difficult place. But I think at the moment, the fans, the players are feeling that the fans are loving this. They're supporting us all the way. So they will be, they will be very dangerous. Well, you've kind of talked now about the, 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 the wariness you feel about the fixture. I'd have the same, uh, sort of, uh, in- Myself. You've talked about um, the potential for a fantastic atmosphere. There will be a celebratory atmosphere because they are safe now. It's all bonus at this stage. Um, there's no danger for them and they can look forward to their big restructure in the summer and, 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 and you know, the, 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 the joy of all fans, which is shiny new players coming in. Everybody loves that stuff. So the... <sighs> it's, it's no doubt it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge and you know, like you said earlier on, I mean, how can we realistically be brilliant at the, to the level that we're at each and every game between now and the end of the season? I hope the answer is yes. But let's just finish the show as usual. But now we put it in context a bit and we've talked about the second leg, getting your take on how you think both of those games are going to go. So we'll start with the, the, the game tomorrow and then uh, get your take on the on the second leg. Well, obviously, the, the first thing that worries you, Travis, is, you know, I mean, midweek, Weekend, midweek, weekend, tough games. So far, we just keep delivering. And our ability to keep clean, clean sheets are massive. Because the fact that you don't go behind in games is massive, isn't it? Because once you go behind in, in games and we know we need to win games, then you need two goals and that might just change the way that you, you play and you lose some of your calmness. And so the fact that we defend so well and we don't go behind in games is massive. So as much as I think Newcastle are going to give us a real game, uh, they don't have enough quality, you know, to, 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 to give us a real game. They'll need to score because we score. And I'm not sure they've got enough quality, uh, to create that many problems. So Maximan is a really good player, but he's not in great form. Chris Wood on his day, he's a handful, isn't it? But I think we kind of see him through that challenge. Joe Lilton, you know, he's, he's, he's done well in midfield, working extremely hard. Not really a striker in my opinion. So I think that's going to be the big problem. So I think, I think we'll win. I think we'll beat them 2 0. I think we'll beat Newcastle too now. But we, we might have to wait a bit for that second goal before you can you can put your feet up and relax. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as regards the European adventure, does it continue, do you reckon? How does, how does that, how do you see that one going in, in, out, out in Spain? I think, again, I mean, you know, we're obviously better than what they are. There'll be that initial we're at home, enthusiastic, we're still in the tie. Uh, but I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll take this thing out of it and, and, and we'll hurt them. And again, I'm going the same way. I think we'll win Tuna in Spain as well. Well, <laughs> that's made my afternoon. And we're going to get out of here a little bit earlier. So for yet another show going around the houses, thanks a million, Jan. 
No, I really enjoyed it, Trevor. As, as, as you know, we we conquered all of Europe. We're <laughs> never gonna stop, and that's how it fucking feels, isn't it, Trevor? <laughs> that's isn't exactly it? how it feels, and there's literally no way I'm not gonna snip that out now and use it as a ringtone. <laughs> that's how it's gonna go. Uh, uh, let's hope we do we, we do go on and, 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 and keep conquering uh, we'll be back to talk to you about the progress on that front uh, in the show next week so until then from me and from him take care we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.